Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn Dwyer and this is Dark Truths and Open Secrets. How long has Irish society been aware of its child abuse scandals? This podcast deals with issues some people may find disturbing and has references to sexual and physical abuse. I would be keen to hear what you think of this topic. You can find me at Irish History on Twitter or Irish History Podcast on Facebook. Over the last few weeks, Ireland has been rocked by yet another child abuse scandal. Newspaper headlines around the world have reported in disbelief details of how society in Ireland treated unmarried mothers and their children in the past. The focus has been around the so-called mother and child homes, where unmarried pregnant women, highly stigmatised by society, were in effect incarcerated while they went through their pregnancy. The latest scandal initially broke around the still unconfirmed reports that nuns operating a mother and child home in Tume, County Galway, buried the remains of children in a septic tank. Equally shocking have been the revelations that the child mortality rate in some of these mother and child institutions reached over 50%. While many around the world are understandably astonished as to how a society could be so cruel to its children, in Ireland this sadly is just the latest chapter in the horrific story of institutional abuse of children that has been emerging in the last two decades. As light is finally being shone into the darkest recesses of modern Irish history, the question of how our society will deal with its dark past is increasingly important. I think this is where history is going to be crucial, as understanding the reality of our past is integral to any process of dealing with these horrors. For years, the dominant narrative around the abuse scandals in Ireland was that they took place behind closed doors and that the vast majority of people had no idea what was being perpetrated. However, it is becoming clear from evidence that this is not actually the case. If we are to move forward and deal with our dark past, we must acknowledge who knew what and why they were powerless to act. In this podcast, I'm going to look over some of the evidence that indicates There was widespread knowledge of child abuse in Ireland for decades. While historians such as Dermot Ferreter have long pointed out that the evidence of child abuse has been widely known in Irish society for decades due to its mention in newspaper and court reports, 
Nothing is more conclusive and revealing than the Carrigan Report. It illustrates that as early as 1931, the political and religious elite in Ireland knew about the abuse of children. The Carrigan Report was the findings of a committee that examined the Criminal Law Amendments Act and juvenile prostitution in the late 1920s and early 1930s. Its findings were extremely disturbing. The then Garda Commissioner Ono Duffy testified to the committee that there were over 400 reported cases of the abuse of girls under the age of 18 between 1924 and 1929, including, and I quote, an alarming number of cases of interference with girls under 16 and with children under 11 years of age. Ono Duffy estimated that these reflected at most only 15% of the actual crimes which had been committed. In what became an all-too-frequent response in Ireland, those in authority were unwilling to act when presented with the findings of the Carrigan Report. Ireland's nationalist leaders had long argued that the country's ills had been caused by the British presence on the island. Therefore, the publishing of such a report after nearly a decade of independence would directly contradict this. Perhaps an even greater motivation was the fact that Ireland was heavily dominated by the Catholic Church, and sex was not something to be discussed in public. In this context, the report was treated with hostility. The Department of Justice memo on the report in 1931 called it practically without value. Through 1932, two successive government cabinets, a secret Doyle committee representing all parties and the Standing Committee of Irish Bishops viewed the report. No one acted. Disturbingly, the report was suppressed and none of these people, who had seen its shocking details, raised the disturbing findings in public. All agreed that the best way to deal with the report was through as little public discourse as possible on issues surrounding sexual immorality. Perhaps, most worryingly, they even failed to call for further examination into O'Duffy's statistics or future monitoring of abuse cases. Despite the suppression of the Carrigan Report, Evidence of the abuse of children surfaced in public in Ireland from time to time. This, as we shall see, directly contradicts the idea, frequently argued, that people in Ireland didn't even understand what paedophilia was until the high-profile prosecution of Catholic priests in the early 1990s. While it is true to say that paedophilia is only a common term in the last two decades, this does not mean people were unaware of child abuse. Between 1924 and 1960, Irish soccer courts heard 1,500 cases regarding sexual offences, of which 81% were regarded to victims 17 or younger. As well as the discussions these cases must have provoked in local communities, many were also reported in the press. Even though the term paedophilia was not used, references to terms such as indecent assault against a young girl, left the reader with a fairly clear idea of the nature, if not the detail, of the crime. While the Carrigan Report and court prosecutions dealt with abuse in wider society, abuse in church-run institutions was not completely unknown either. For example, in 1935, the 15-year-old John Byrne was killed by a teacher in the now-notorious Artane Industrial School. However, in what appears to have been a cover-up, the coroner reported that the boy died of disease. It was only the Communist Party who interviewed the boy's father in their newspaper, The Worker's Voice, who were willing to state the truth of the matter. In this article, Mr Burns stated his son's body was black and blue. This case underlined an important aspect of institutional abuse in Ireland. 
Irish institutions were a form of social control and it was generally the children of working class families who were forced into them for what were relatively minor indiscretions. While many families tried to oppose the incarceration of their children, they faced the might of the Irish free state supported by the Catholic Church. In this hierarchical authoritarian society, working class communities were increasingly powerless. The only exclusive working class organisations, the once powerful trade union movement, had had its power seriously curbed in the early 1920s, leaving working class people with nowhere to turn, even though they were often aware of the horrors being perpetrated against their children behind the walls of these institutions. The horrific regimes operated in these church-run industrial schools was, as Mary Raftery and Ono Sullivan have pointed out, well known in communities near them. People living close to the Christian Brothers-run industrial school in Salt Hill, County Galway, frequently heard the screams of children at night, as did those living beside a similar institution in Dangan, County Offaly. Indeed, as early as the summer of 1946, the issue of institutional abuse was widely debated in Irish newspapers when Father Edward Flanagan, a native of Roscommon, and perhaps the highest profile Catholic priest in the world at the time, visited Ireland. He had worldwide fame through his progressive institution, Boys Town, which was the subject of a 1938 Oscar-winning film. As he travelled across Ireland, Flanagan was critical of the regime of physical abuse he witnessed in some of Ireland's institutions. He attacked youth prisons, saying in public, Your institutions are not at all noble, particularly your borstals, which are a disgrace. When addressing a crowd at a public meeting in Cork, he encouraged people to help the youth of Ireland by keeping your children away from these institutions. When Flanagan returned to the US, his criticism was reported in the American press and a prolonged debate on the issue continued in Ireland through the late summer and early autumn of 1946. Despite his vocal criticism, nothing was done as the government simply denied the charges. This was by no means the only time horrific abuse was reported. In 1963, when eight girls escaped from an institution run by the Sisters of St. Louis in Bourne They had their heads shaved after being caught and returned. The story was covered in the British newspaper, The People, under the headline Orphanage Horror. Rather than provoke protest, the phrase Bundoran haircut entered popular parlance in the North West to threaten misbehaving children, reflecting the uncaring attitudes pervasive in Irish society towards children in these institutions. Before we attempt to make any assumptions about why people in Ireland didn't act, it's important to understand that Irish society in the 20th century was not one where knowledge necessarily meant power. For those concerned, of which we know, anecdotally at least, there were many, taking action around institutional abuse was not an easy road to take. When people did complain, they were often ignored by politicians and governmental officials time and again. The power of the Catholic Church and their political allies who dominated all the mainstream political parties in Ireland were happy to ignore the abuse of children rather than question the church. The fact that abuse was known about poses lots of difficult questions for Irish society today, and the answers to these questions are very complex. There are no doubt some who will be happy to latch onto this strand of argument and try and push a no one is guilty because we are all guilty, and these were different times, justification. In my opinion though, this misses the point. To acknowledge there was widespread abuse does not in any way remove the blame from the centres of power in Ireland in this period. The Catholic Church who operated these institutions and the politicians who had the power to act but ignored pleas for help. 
Only by understanding what happened, even if that means a painful period of self-reflection, can we ensure that this chapter in Irish history will not repeat itself. I would be interested in your thoughts on this topic as I said at the start. You can find me at Irish History on Twitter or Irish History Podcast on Facebook. That's Irish History on Twitter or Irish History Podcast on Facebook. Next week, I will return to the story of the Norman invasion of Ireland. So until then, Sloan. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.